Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Buddy, good choice. It has been, uh, what is the correct term of art? A month of Sundays, perhaps? since I've heard that song. Good pick. It's been a while. It's been a while, but it's a great song. I believe it was from the Less Than Zero soundtrack too, although I could be wrong about that. But um, it might be another expose song. But, you know, the whole seasons change thing and uh, we're, we're trying to get to spring. We've had a COVID winter. Um, I thought it was a pretty good choice by the boys downtown. Yeah. But I'm glad we're here. We're back. The number one business podcast uh, growing at a rapid uh, dare I say, galloping ahead of the uh, competition in the uh, race for subscribers. Thanks to everyone that subscribed and listens on a almost religious, disturbingly religious basis. Um, we're glad to glad to be here. Let's Should we dive it. into Newsreel, the world famous Newsreel, where we talk about the important issues of the day that are going to impact you and your business? And, and we have lined them up here. We've got four of them. Um, and they're all incredibly uh, important. So should we just dive right in? I'm all for it. Let's go. First, uh, we've got NCAA football. It looks like Alabama is going to be good again. Well, there's a shocker. Alabama. Who knew? Who knew? Um, but Brad, more importantly, what is what what piece of news is, is lit the world on fire these days? Front page of all of the major newspapers, um, people up in arms. Is our way of life going to change? Is it going to continue down this same path, the Gorilla Glue incident, right? So setting the stage, this woman who ran out of hair care products saw fit to put a tub of Gorilla Glue in her hair to keep it in place, you know, like a, uh, like a, like a hair gel, you know, or Aquanet back in the, your salad days, the 80s. And it was in place for a month and presumably she lived with it for a while. And then she uh, went into the doctors and they put some sort of a solution on it and it started burning and then it gets sticky again and then it's hardened again. Wait, um, so wait, wait, wait. So a woman runs out of hair care products. Correct. So far you've got it, yeah. This, these things happen. I mean, again, I, I'm a man who has a wife and, and an extraordinary number of daughters. And so beautiful, I get and that. A beautiful, you have a beautiful head of hair as well. Beautiful. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. It's not really true, but I appreciate you saying that. And so she runs out of hair care products and she puts, 
Gorilla Glue in her hair? Did she spray it into her hair? I mean, that stuff does come in a spray, I realize. So at what point, like, I, I feel like I'm missing something here. Like, why does anyone take as a replacement for a hair care product, glue? Because she ran out of hair care product, Brad. Yeah, but I mean, this, I assume she also had dish soap. She could have put that in her hair. Well, wh why did she opt for glue? Because glue is going to hold it in place better than dish soap. You want to put Dawn dish soap in your hair, it could ruin your hair. Well, that's a good point. I don't know that it wouldn't, but I, I, I feel reasonably confident that I wouldn't go glue there. Uh, this is this is really a problem. And so people have uh, come to her aid. She's hired a plaintiff's law firm. Um, and for what? Well, she's going to. But what do you think, Brad? She's going to sue the Gorilla Glue people. Well, OK, well, well, for what? She did they make her put the glue in her hair? There was no warning on the label that said, do not put this quick hardening Gorilla Glue in your hair. You're kidding, right? I'm pretty serious. That's what she said. I mean, who hasn't put a little hard drying <laughs> glue in their hair? Oh, my God. Um, so before we get to the next segment, Brad, I do have to say that uh, uh, IP Frequently is brought to you once again by the self-aware automation of innovation, IPedia. Uh, IPedia handling, handling all of your patent transactional needs since uh, 2020. Well, it's been handling it for longer than that. Uh, it depends on the person, though. Depends on the person. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but okay. Uh, so, Brad, I'll get to the next segment. I'm going to give you some names. You tell me what they have in common. Oh, okay. Fun we game. haven't done this before, I don't think. We haven't done this before. Um, I'm going to give you some names, okay? Christopher Plummer, Marty Schottenheimer, Mary mm -hmm. Wilson, George Schultz, and Larry Flint. What do they all have in common? Uh, they're dead. They all died this week. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I tell you what, I mean, that is a list of names right there, buddy, all to die in the same week. That is a list of names. Mary Wilson, one of the great singers of all time um, on the Supreme sort of second fiddle to the great uh, Diana Ross, who's still yeah. with us, yeah. um, but just an amazing, uh, amazing uh, entertainer. And then, you know, who loved the uh, Supremes was George Schultz. Uh, known as um, a, an official in the Nixon administration, the Ford administration, became Reagan's secretary of state. Yeah, I guarantee you George Schultz was not sorry to go. I mean, once he you know started seeing what was happening to the U.S. government, that brother was happy to go. Well, I mean, just a great statesman and a nice balance uh, in, the, uh, in the Reagan administration um, uh, to some of the conservatives who wanted to go to war over Nicaragua or Panama or the Falklands or yeah, just about, just about anywhere. Uh, then the great Christopher Plummer, Brad, your favorite movie of all time, the sound of music. Absolutely. Plummer, yeah. The Hills are alive. It's kind of a quasi musical horror movie right there. Yeah. He, I'll tell you what, uh, just a great, um, uh, film. And I, the, the kids here at the house are constantly playing the, um, the, you know, the video, not a video, the stream. And you can play the songs, the Do Re Mi song, the start of the very beginning, very good, you know, the, the all that stuff. So, you know, really, really good actor. And actually in his later days was in some some interesting uh, things. I think, I believe he was in Nine and a Half Weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't know that. Nine and a Half Weeks. I don't know that I ever saw that. The, um, 
you know, the, the Kim Basinger role. Mm. I'm not sure, but either, either yeah. way. Then there's Marty Schottenheimer, a great coach, great regular season coach, just could never win the, uh, could never win the big game. And then uh, finally, uh, your favorite, Brad, uh, who did win the big game, Larry Flint. Larry Flint. Yeah. Well, he certainly left a legacy, hasn't he? He did. He did. Yeah. Um, did you guys ever uh, ever come across him in your days in the Bureau? Uh, no. No. I mean, uh, to my knowledge, uh, Mr. Flint was just sort of uh, what you saw was what you got. He was a pornographer. So uh, to my knowledge, the Bureau never investigated him. He was happy to be a pornographer, probably wasn't happy to have been shot, uh, but he survived it and, uh, you know, did his thing. Amen. And I'll tell you what, Brett, I, I couldn't uh, have said it better myself. And whoever's going to eulogize the man probably couldn't have been uh, warmer uh, or more receptive to his legacy than you just were. So maybe that's something people want to bottle up and take with them. So uh, Barter Band, and this week we're going to talk, and we talk about this a lot, um, two things. One, RFK Jr., who I know, Brad, is one of your favorites, a ultra left-wing, uh, crazy liberal, um, has had his, has been barred from Twitter, and they use the word barred, or, or hmm. maybe it's banned. How do they know it's not banned? It might be banned. I have that in italics, so I'm not sure, but he is no longer, he no longer has his Twitter account because he made a bunch of claims about the COVID vaccine. He claimed that Hank Aaron, who we've talked about recently, who passed away a couple of weeks ago, he said he died of uh, COVID after getting the vaccine. And so um, Twitter has taken his account away from him because of those claims. And then on top of that, we learn that the Dallas Mavericks, your favorite, Brad, your favorite basketball team of all time, um, stopped playing the national anthem uh, before games uh, because some people in the community may not like it. Uh, so the Dallas Mavericks have banned or barred or both the national anthem at their basketball games. And uh, Twitter has barred or banned RFK Jr. from tweeting about the COVID. Um, so the question is cancel culture. What should we do with cancel culture given these latest manifestations of what really is a cancer on society. Bar or ban. Brad, are you okay? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. I, I think so. Yeah, I, uh, I, Twitter taking upon itself the role of being like the morality police or the, the truth police is just ridiculous. I mean, they're never going to be able to do that. I have no idea how many people do the tweet thing, but I'm going to make the assumption that it is well into the nine figures of people, maybe more than that. I mean, maybe a billion people have a tweet. I don't have any idea. But the idea that Twitter is going to say, you know, of all of the crazy crap that gets slung around on their platform, they're suddenly going to weigh into that and they are going to be the arbiters of what is appropriate. It's just nuts. I mean, even if you accept it for the moment that they have the wherewithal to do that, right? That they are the appropriate people to say, thou can say this and thou shalt not say that. Um, even if you were to accept that, they don't have the bandwidth. I mean, how in the world are you going to monitor all of those accounts, even with AI, even with all that, and actually weed out the lunacy and only allow people who are, you know, competently communicating 
relevant material or reasonable material, they, they can't do it. Personally, I think Twitter should, if they're going to be a thing and they're going to allow people to just willy-nilly send out however many characters they want, whenever they want, about whatever they want, they should just step back and go, yeah, that's what we do. And if you don't want to listen to these people, don't. And then, you know, the hell with the Mavericks. I mean, if you're not going to play the national anthem, then you know what? Don't. And, and if your fans continue to come and everybody continues to applaud for you um, because you don't want to play the national anthem, then I, you know, I mean, fine. Next, Brad, is pole position, where we're getting into presidential pole position for the month of February. And we mm-hmm. have been inundated with letters uh, we're getting uh, telegraphs. We're getting singing telegrams, balloonograms. People are demanding more of this presidential poll position. And mm-hmm. so what we've done in conjunction with the folks at Zima and the, uh, the boys downtown is we've sort of expanded out the brackets and we're now going to run this thing straight through March. And in March, and you'll see the brackets up on the social media and on the InstaFace, we're inviting people to chime in because this is a compelling field. Some would say that no one has ever put together a bracket like this, Brad. Um, I'd say they're probably right. Yeah, no, I would be very surprised if anyone had ever put together a bracket of presidential horses and you know sort of ran them head to head to see you know who comes out on top. So we we're starting with eight in the bracket, right? So we basically just got like the top half of one of the uh, regions, if this was going to be the NC2A, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so last uh, week we played the East region. Right. And, uh, for, you know, for those of you who, who may not be aware, you can find this, I'm sure, on our social media. Uh, the first competition was between Zachary Taylor and his horse, Old Whitey, and William H. Harrison and his horse, No Name. And uh, No Name came out on top. So today we go to the South region, right? The South region, which is being played in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Thunderdome. And we've got at the top of the bracket, Ulysses S. Grant, the great Civil War hero and president of these United States on his horse, Cincinnati, which the city of Cincinnati, Brad, was named after. How do you size up old Cincinnati? Well, I, I mean, one, Ulysses S. Grant, as we're all aware, not a small man, right? So, you know, Cincinnati could, you know, carry the load, as it were. Right? And who are, we, uh, who are we pitting Cincinnati against? I mean, obviously, we got to discuss that. Well, yeah. So at the bottom part of the bracket is our founding father, the original founding father, George Washington, who had many stallions um, and some horses. Uh, at Mount Vernon, uh, his favorite horse was Old Magnolia. So we've got U.S. Grant on Cincinnati, for whom the city was named. What are you What are you thinking here? This is a unique matchup. Um, heroes in wars that set the tone for our nation. Generals. Um, where, where are you going with this? Who, who's well, I mean, this? It, you know, on the one hand, it's a tough call, right? Because you've already pointed out some some very salient points. You got two generals. Got two, you know, war heroes, two victors. It's always going to be tough to vote against George Washington. I mean, that was a guy who could find himself out of a trick bag better than most others. Um, however, on the other hand, it really doesn't matter, right? I mean, from a pure bracketology perspective, they're probably not going to beat old No Name, right? And, and unfortunately, that's who they're going to meet next. 
So, yeah, I mean, that's that that's a good point. I will say one of the things I've noticed is this is the equivalent of having Duke and North Carolina play and they're playing the winner of like Kentucky and UCLA or UCLA um, in the top bracket. And then you get down to the bottom bracket, which we're not going to you'll see it online. We're not going to spoil it, but there are some lightweights down in the bottom bracket and I mean, including a Shetland pony, Brad, which I don't know how that's going to play out again. I don't want to get into it. It's getting ahead of ourselves. It's weeks in the future. Um, but uh, this top bracket is loaded. And I'm interested to, to, to hear you say who you think is going to win. And look, as they say in the, uh, in the whole world of presidential poll position, where you're pitting dead presidents against one another on long dead horses, um, any dead horse being ridden by a dead president could win on any given day. I, I think the factor here, if you're asking me, in this Grant v. Washington, Cincinnati v. Magnolia head-to-head competition is a lesson that we all learned from Johnny Cash, which is if you want to toughen a guy up, you give him a girl's name, right? You know, i.e. a boy named Sue. And I think that's what's happened here with a stallion named Magnolia. Right. So I, I think that a stallion having to go through his whole life being named after a flower is, you know, going to result in that being a ornery, tough, devil may care, damn the torpedoes kind of a horse. And I suspect that's why George Washington, I'm no less a man than George Washington, selected him as his, you know, steed. And so, you know, my money is on that horse. And I would like to see a horse, a, 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 a male horse named Magnolia take on this tough hombre, no name. And, and that's what we'll get uh, should Magnolia beat Cincinnati. And, and frankly, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of come down on it the other way. I think that it's a, Magnolia is a cute name, but Cincinnati is a, um, uh, a bold name. Um, I think a striking horse. There are actually pictures of Cincinnati online, and we're encouraging people to go to the Presidential Stallions website and look at these pictures of Cincinnati. Gorgeous, gorgeous horse, huge horse. Um, and U.S. Grant was a was a terrific rider uh, of the horse. I mean, there there were stories that he almost gave up the presidency to go into the circus. So um, th- th- these are things you have to look at when you're sort of weighing this out. Now, I, I asked myself, will it be a muddy track? Is it going to be cold? Will we have like a Valley Forge type scenario of which maybe maybe Grant can't, um, can't overcome that. But again, we're meant to, the folks at SEMA said this is a dry track on a, uh, a, a warm summer day. Um, U.S. Grant uh, is going to be on this massive stallion Cincinnati. So I, um, I'm going to vote for Cincinnati. So now Brad, we're in sort of a conundrum in that we've got a, uh, we've got a tie. And so to break the tie, we have to go to our producer, Jared. All right. Well, I have at it. I mean, I, you do want to take into account that Grant was apparently at one point in time arrested for speeding on his horse through the streets of Washington. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's, I did not know that, but doing research on presidential poll position, these are the kind of things you find out. 
So obviously Cincinnati was capable of getting up to a good clip, but I maintain that, you know, a, a horse that survived his whole life with a girl's name is not going to, you know, it's not going to cotton to some, you know, big upstart civil war era horse, you know, trying to get his goat as it were. Jared, what say you, you have the tie breaking vote here. Well, uh, I, I have a concern that um, voting either for the U.S. Grant or George Washington's horse will get me canceled. So I don't know if that's a legitimate fear. I'm just afraid to literally post anything on the internet. But I'm going to have to go with Magnolia as it is a male horse with a female name. And Uh I think that's, like Brad said, can show a strong character. So, Well, there it is. There it is. So Magnolia moves on to face William Henry Harrison's horse with no name. And again, we're not going to know for several weeks how that's going to turn out, but uh, we'll see. But that's a good uh, good call. You guys, uh, it was a close call. I'll give you that. So Magnolia moves on and old Cincinnati and U.S. Grant are left to gallop through the seats, streets of Washington, D.C. Well, Brad, next we've got the verse of the day uh, brought to you by the folks at uh, IPD, the Automation of Innovation uh, and the folks at Zima, interestingly enough, have signed on to this. So, uh, Brad, you have the uh, helm on this one. What is the verse of the day? We're going back, my friend, to Proverbs. And uh, as I think this is a, a perfectly germane verse for a number of the things we've discussed today, ranging from hair products to business acumen to the cancel culture. And we're going to go to the 11th chapter of Proverbs, verse 14. So Proverbs eleven fourteen, which reads the new international version for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. And I think you can probably immediately see a a business application of that verse, right? Go and get yourself some good advice before you make a decision, especially if that decision may involve cementing your hair to your head with a quick drying semi-permanent glue product. Yeah, I think that's, I think perhaps the, uh, if you could have had a team of rivals, that Gorilla Glue uh, incident may not have happened, but that's, uh, I think that's an important point to know in structuring any business is that the people uh, put around you are ones you need to be able to rely on, shouldn't just be yes people, and should be comfortable to tell you when you're uh, out over your skis or when you're making the wrong move. Uh, just as much as they can pat you on the back when you're making the right move. Uh, next, Brad, we move on to This Week in Innovation. And uh, This Week in Innovation is where we talk about something big that's happened in the past, and we try to reconcile it with what's going on today, even though sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes Can't it's very be. difficult. Can be. Um, 1941, Brad, the first penicillin trials took place. Penicillin, oh. obviously, a, yeah. a game changer in terms of medicine. And I should report uh, actually, that RFK Jr. just sent an email, not a tweet because he's been banned or barred, uh, mm. saying that he believes that uh, the penicillin trial killed Hank Aaron. Brad, next is Relationship Corner. This is where uh, you take uh, on the role of Dr. Ruth and try to uh, counsel some poor damsel in distress or uh, gentleman on something that's going on in their uh, in their life. And this week, I should just say, we have... Um, weeded out any messages from uh, Hillary uh, because she's asked you just too many questions and we're worried about the legal liability after the wood chipper incident. Could be. I mean, that's, you know, not a bad call. So, I mean, yeah, in, in, in response to your question, I, th- I think I'm ready. Let's give it a shot. 
Let's do it. Uh, Dear Brad, I wanted to thank you for all of the relationship advice. And again, I'm reading this uh, right from the card that uh, came in. Uh, Dear Brad, I want to thank you for all the relationship advice uh, you are giving men and women out there. It's incredible. Regardless of gender or if there's no gender at all, you're doing God's work. It's invaluable. Uh, I do have a problem, though. My parents have been fighting a lot lately, Brad, and my mom has been acting very strange. Uh, For example, she's been spending a lot of time, Brad, down at the marina. And when she's home, it smells like she's running some sort of a chemistry lab, Brad, in the basement. It smells like a combination of Pine Sol and Mr. Clean with something I can't even identify. It appears that she's developing a laboratory down there. What should I do, Brad, if anything? Is there something I should be worried about? Uh, Signed, Chelsea from White Plains, and then she puts her moniker, she, him, hers, her pronouns. Well, I don't think it's unusual for Chelsea, right? I mean, I think it would be unusual for most people. Uh, but not for Chelsea, given, you know, the nature of her parents and their relationship, which we have, you know, I suspect hashed our way through, certainly not chipped our way through, that would be an inappropriate reference, but we have hashed our way through that relationship over the last couple of weeks. And Chelsea, my, my advice to you in, you know, given you are obviously an adult and and out on your own is to, you know, perhaps make a phone call, send an email, maybe drop a note and reference your concerns with your mom. I would check on the welfare of your dad. I don't know when the last time you heard from dear old dad was, but if you haven't heard from him in a while, uh, that may not be a good sign for you know his health and welfare and just general well-being. But I would stay away from actual interpersonal contact with either of your parents at this point, because that's simply going to result in whatever you were wearing at the time being bagged and labeled as evidence. Okay, good. Well, I think that's great advice, Brad. Uh, Chelsea, he, him, she, she, him, hers. I hope uh, that uh, resonates with you and you're able to uh, um, follow that advice. I should notice, just looking at Twitter right now, uh, trending is William Harry Henry Harrison, horse with no name, and also hashtag Cincinnati horse. So I want to thank all the people that are doing that or listening to us in the live stream. That's pretty impressive and pretty remarkable. Would you say, Brad? I would if I understood what any of that meant, but I don't, I don't do Trending. the Twitter thing, but it sounds good. And I'm i I'm a fan. So Brad, the last segment, uh, we've saved the best for last. It's uh, time machine, our famous, segment where you go back in time, al fresco to deliver some sage advice with the knowledge of what happens in the future for those back in time who you visited back mm. in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm ready. Very good. Sorry, I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. But uh, so, Brad, uh, at, at this point, um, the idea is to send you back to February 1942. Big day in history. 1942. February, right about this time, 1942. Um, Sending you back in time. We're sending you back again, Alfresco. No smock or anything, but with a four-pack of Zima, uh, which is being provided to you, by the way, in your time-traveling escapades uh, for free. Wow. 
Yeah. So obviously 1942, a big day in history. It's when FDR signed the daylight savings time bill. But the Mm. question to you is you're there with your Zima, you go to the bill signing. Uh, Do you, what do you do to stop this? Right. Or do you stop it? Do you need to stop the daylight saving? Do you kill FDR? Right. Um, Do you kill Harry Hopkins? Do you make a spectacle of yourself? Do you try to reason with FDR and get him to veto the bill, or do you just drink your Zimas? No, I just drink the Zimas, right? I mean, you're with FDR, World War II is underway, right? So we have much larger fish to fry than whether we call it four o'clock or five o'clock, right? And you're, you're getting an opportunity to see, you know, unquestionably one of the great leaders of our nation, particularly in a crisis, FDR, uh, sign a bill. And frankly, this is the wrong historical period to deal with this anyway, right? Because we realized sort of the uselessness and stupidity of daylight savings time in 1945. We just canceled it. We said, you know what, this is dumb. Let's not do it. And it wasn't until the sixties, as you point out that it was fired back up. So really, if you want to impact things today, uh, you would have to go to that event in the sixties with LBJ, bring your Zima there and see if you could figure that out. But in this particular case, since I know that even if I let this bill be signed into law, which I'm going to do, it's going to be repealed in 1945. It's really not that big of a deal. So I'm going to enjoy my Zima. I'm going to watch the bill signing and I'm going to look for a pair of pants. I think, Brad, we are all the way through our uh, rather ambitious agenda for this episode of IP Frequently. We thank you all for listening and uh, participating. We uh, encourage you to get your bets in on presidential poll position. There are only a few weeks to go until we find out who the ultimate winner is. Uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing you and hearing from you next week on another episode of IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.